Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sesploitation Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. At least this week, we don't have any deaths to report, so that's a good thing. Always a nice way to start the week. No death yeah. is always a good way. Always a good but, way to start the week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I forget which one it is, but you can buy it on the Vinegar Syndrome site. They announced two bits today for Blu-ray. And one is a Blu-ray of the one that we did last Halloween, the WNUF Halloween Special. Yeah, yeah, and if any anyone who's never seen that, uh, if if you're a fan of uh, of uh, the kind of like reality, you know, like like uh, what what do they call it? The Blair Witch Project, that kind found of footage. stuff. Uh, found footage. Yeah, yeah. It, even though that one is is straightforward it feels like a found footage film like it feels yeah. like a vhs tape that, that you would find at the that hey, at, hey, at the hey, uh, hey. thrift store you know yeah it's one of those <laughs> it's what's one of the those do- what, yeah. what, what, what's the is, is the dog going crazy over there is the, the dog going crazy called, both of the dogs are chaos but yeah it's like uh, you finding a videotape that you recorded just record one show and then you just see all this weird footage on it that we would just watch for no reason yeah yeah it comes with commercials Um, and everything yeah and you know um uh my friend bob who recently passed away and my brother-in-law Jamie, um, they they're both big fans of just going to thrift stores and buying just blank videotapes. You know, like you like you someone's home movies or some stuff that they taped off TV. Um, uh, Jamie likes to do it because he likes he likes the old commercials. Uh, Bob, yeah, because he was hoping he. Bob, Bob used to do it because he was hoping he'd get somebody's uh, homemade porn. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one that they announced is one of the most controversial films of the OOs. It actually got its director arrested because the school was so pissed off that he filmed uh, the movie on its site. And it's still a dangerous little film today, and that's Duck the Carbine High Massacre. Wow, that's that's crazy. I was just talking to my wife about that movie yesterday um, because I watched a more recent film about a school shooting. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about Abby. Um, what like what troubles her most about modern films like that is. She doesn't feel she she does feel like it's exploitative, you know. She feels yeah. like if you make a movie about a school shooting, you're encouraging a school shooter, or you know, if you make you know, it, it's troublesome for her. Like, uh, you know, that's why she didn't like Suicide Squad. Uh, she said, you know, just the 
the level of violence that Suicide Squad presented. And she said, it just disgusts me that as a society, none of this bothers us anymore, you know? So that that's kind of her thing. But the other day, I don't remember how we got started talking about it, but we were talking about another, I think we were talking about a conspiracy theory. You know, there's a conspiracy theory that there was a third shooter at Columbine who got away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were talking about that, and then I mentioned Duck, <laughs> just the movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I started telling my, my wife about it, and she was like, do not bring a copy of that movie into my house. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it is a really a great black comedy, and it tells the truth from the shooter side of it, the people who got the crap kicked out of them, in high school for being different, you know. Yeah, uh uh I I had a friend uh who was in college at at the time uh that Columbine happened and uh he recorded an album and on the liner notes when he released it, he was like dedicated to the Columbine shooters. And I was like, all right. I mean, I get where you're coming from. You know, you got bullied in high school and yeah, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to help album sales. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember how much trouble uh, he got that movie caused when it first came out. They were like, for uh, sure. They was like, how could you make a film like that? And he's like, how could I not? Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we it, it, it seems like every time there's a major tragedy uh, that when filmmakers dig into it, they either go too soft or too hard. I will admit that. Like, uh, like all of the movies that came out after 9-11. You know, there were some that I think went a little too hard, a little too intense, a little too soon. And I don't use the term too soon lightly. You know me. I'm a stand-up comedian. And yeah. you've heard me say a lot. You've yeah. heard me say a lot of offensive stuff over the years. You know, like, I have, you know, I mean, for me, I don't think, for me, nothing is too soon. But when it comes to, like, the general public, sometimes... You know, I mean, I'm a local, you know, I, I play the East Coast, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, you gotta read I'm not your a audience. big national. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big national comedian. So I know where I can tell certain jokes and where I can't, you know, I'm a regional comedian, not a national comedian. So, yeah. uh, yeah, but, but I have, I have had people say stuff to me after shows where they've said, you know, Hey. I've, I've, I've had both sides of it where people will say, Hey, that was a really bold joke to tell. But I've also had people come up to me and say, I hated that joke. Uh, you're disgusting human being. And I'm like, you didn't have to tell me the second part. I already knew that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> duck is one of those films that I like it, but I appreciate its balls more than I do its filmmaking because it is a no-budget film. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's definitely. Uh, well, I think that uh, I think it was not only a budgetary constraint, but I think it was part of their intention to make it look like the uh, 
the actual footage from Columbine where all we have from from the Columbine massacre is and just some like of the TV, most offensive TV, dialogue you know. was from the news. Like I can remember that girl going, "Does this mean they're going to cancel the big football game this weekend? That sucks." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, but you're right. That's. I mean, you're right that it uh, it does have a black comedy feel to it, but at the same time, it's like. You know, Jesus, how many times is there a school shooting or just just any random shooting? And what's the best we can conjure up? Thoughts and prayers. And then, yeah, that that shows the other side of it. It's like, you know, the, the kids that are actually impacted by stuff like that, you know, are traumatized in two different ways, you know, whether it's. I saw people get shot or whether it's so do we still have to take the math quiz tomorrow? <laughs> you know, it, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a strange dichotomy, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a truism. It's a truism. Yeah. There's certain films I love that are disturbing because they're realer than real. Like, uh, I would put like duck with uh, man bites dog, but it definitely is a yeah. must buy when it comes out. If you're, if you like that film before, if you're really looking for something that tells the truth about these school shootings. Yeah. Man bites dog. You and I wrote about that uh, on our website. Uh, like I say, I always mention that we, we had a, yeah. we had our website our blog way before we had our, uh, our, uh, podcast. And so, yeah, you guys should always, uh, check that out. If you want to see some of the writings that we did, uh, in the past about films, uh, it's R dash massive. And, uh, you really got to put that dash in there. I, I mention this all the time. The if reason you don't put that the we dash wrote in there. about it is a certain <laughs> film that fans like that. I think that sucks that completely just ripped, off man bites dog i agree i agree all right go on your rant because i know you got one i know you got well, one in the chamber because it's you... just that behind the mask they're like oh that movie's so funny it's funny i'm like yeah but have you seen my dog no that film's hard yeah. to watch <laughs> right oh i I, if it I isn't think hard bites, to watch, then it would not need to be made. Uh, but I I also feel like Man Bites Dog is is like a dark comedy as well, you know? Yeah. Like it, at, least, at least in the wheelhouse of the movies that you and I discuss on the show on a regular basis, I think Man Bites Dog is, is more of a dark comedy. Yes, it is violent and it does have some disturbing things that uh you know not for a broader audience but you know if if you're listening to our uh podcast uh then you're probably not the broader audience uh if you've seen a serbian film in solo then you've probably sat through man bites dog though i'd recommend man bites dog over those two 
Oh, I would as well. I was just making a comparison. <laughs> like, yeah. Just saying, yeah, you know, like, or... Uh, but, yeah, Duck and uh, the WNUF Halloween special, they actually have the a set, the soundtrack to it out coming out as well, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Does it, it say has... if it's going to be a... Oh. What? Uh, d- does it say if it's gonna going to be available on vinyl? Because you know I collect vinyl. Yeah, I would it's like on that vinyl. It was... Yeah, that's what it nice. is. It's on vinyl. Oh, oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, nice. and yeah, uh, it comes with a sequel too. Uh, the WNUF Christmas Special. I've never seen that. Have, Me have neither. you seen that one before? No. Yeah. I've heard no. that they were working on it, but yeah. It's definitely, that's the one of the two I'm probably going to snap up. Yeah. Because that no, was think, just fun to watch at Halloween. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to grab that up on Blu-ray, and uh, I'm going to get the uh, soundtrack on uh, vinyl. So, uh, yeah, that sounds like fun to me, man. Yeah. Yeah. When I first uh, brought it up, you're like, I don't know. Then you watched it, and you're like, wow, this is just like finding a real tape of a, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, my brother-in-law was a big fan of it, and he was the first one who ever turned me on to it. And But I just watched like a crappy uh, YouTube version of it, you know, like. You know when people put videos on YouTube and they don't get the framing yeah. right, so yeah, you know, like the sizing is off and well, you're like, you know uh, what one of the extras is on the Blu-ray raises. What's that? Making it look like shit on purpose. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would say that yeah. would be harder than it looks. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, Sean, uh, obviously, he, he's also one of our partners from the website. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and he and I have made some videos before where we've tried to replicate, um, you know, 1950s UFO footage or some, mm. or, or, you know, like big, Bigfoot footage and stuff. And it is you know, the equipment that we have is so nice that it's really difficult to make things look like shit. <laughs> yeah, like, well, you know how uh, Jim Van Beber did it on the Manson family, don't you? No. He took the film and stomped on it. <laughs> well, that'll do it. But we yeah. can't do that because everything, everything we have is digital, you know? So we have yeah. to do... We, it's like we film it on the nicest digital cameras and then we have to go on the computer and try to find a program that makes it look like it wasn't filmed on the nicest digital camera. But the cameras. problem is is that you got that, that they call it a grindhouse filter. Because people believed that we actually watched shitty prints back then. No, we didn't. Not when we seen them no. in the movie theaters. But Nope. When we seen them on we, videotape, yeah, but that's because the companies didn't give a shit, not because the filmmakers didn't. <laughs> but you, but you and I have talked about this before that the Roadhouse movies, 
you know, because they were literally called the Roadhouse movies because they were shipped from coast to coast to different venues. And they eventually did kind of look like that because they had just been played so many times. The same copy had been played so many times on so many different uh, uh, projectors that they didn't yeah. have to wear out. And I, yeah. And, th- and that's kind of where that whole gr- quote unquote grindhouse look came from. But you're right. Um, excuse me. Um, yeah. No the movies that we saw in the grindhouse theaters, they were beautiful prints. They weren't, yeah, they weren't those roadhouse prints. And I think that's a, that's something that a lot of people don't realize is there's a difference between grindhouse and roadhouse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the grindhouse pictures stay at the same theater, you know, but the roadhouse pictures, those are the ones that, end up getting scratched and scarred and nasty, yeah. you know. But it is nice to be going to be having my own copy of the WNUF Halloween special. I love how they initially promoted it, which we talked about, where they, uh, the con that they were first promoting it, they hid videotapes of it around the place and people found it and were like, what the hell is this? Is this oh, a real thing? I never... <laughs> I never knew about that. Yeah. So, so there are there are actual VHS copies of it out there. They made. About, I never knew uh, that. Huh? Oh, and Video Violence is coming out on Blu-ray from the same guy. Oh yeah. Too. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, but and I, when I, we but say I, good, we mean well. That one's good because they knew that they were making a stupid direct to VHS movie, so they said, let's make this as dumb as we can, and it worked. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I hope it has both of them on there, because both of them are just freaking hilarious. Especially the second one with the commercial for, did you ever slaughter someone and get blood stains all over your favorite shirt? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, Kentucky Fried movie, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, Amazon women, you know, uh, it's kind of like that same type of satire, but way more horror movie, uh, oriented you know like at least that's the vibe i get from it yeah i've got it on the basement set the expensive uh five disc uh vhs set that come in the uh the the vhs box with the vhs tape yeah yep that yep that's the same set that i have yep uh yeah it comes in the vhs box with the but only one of the movies is on the vhs tape the rest of them are all on the dvds yeah yeah but it's still cool yeah still cool cool box it yeah that's the one i have too and tonight's main thing well it's come from nate and uh nate what made you come up with this idea about talking about our favorite anthology episodes from movies and tv well um 
I've noticed that in recent years that my attention span has become shorter, and I believe that has a lot to do with the internet and, you know, uh, you know, the fact that I do drugs. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I started thinking back, and I realized I've always kind of been like this. Anthology television shows and movies have always been more interesting to me because I think, you know, I, I think when I was growing up, you know, with my ADHD and ADD that, you know, as much as I loved movies, the only way that I could really watch a movie was to watch it more than once, you know, whereas anthology TV shows and movies although I did, you know, repeat, do, do repeat viewings, I felt like uh, that it was easier for me to digest as someone who grew up with mental issues. So I just thought well, it would be something fun for us to talk about. So Yeah, and yeah. don't forget, so, and we grew up watching repeats of the two really considered the two best, and that is The Twilight Zone and The Outer Limits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the other thing, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show as well. Uh, we grew up in the era when cable TV first blew up. So, you know, we, and, you know, er, early in the days of cable TV and interestingly enough, a lot of what's going on with all of the new streaming services that are popping up right now, reruns were, were really the, uh, you know, the big thing. And I think it was just because it was cost effective. You didn't have to produce new shows. You could just show reruns of the twilight zone or Alfred Hitchcock presents or, you know, remember it it was uh, the late eighties and all after the remakes and all of a sudden my dad's like, we got channel 43 now. I'm like, Oh, they're showing the twilight zone at 11 o'clock. What? And I was basically there. (laughs) Yeah, right. And 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 you you know uh we well we both uh yeah, we both grew up on the East Coast and I think we've talked about it before like Channel 38 had like the movie loft, right? Was it or ch- I think Channel 38 and Channel 46, they both had like uh late night movie shows where they would mm-hmm. show uh you know, that's where I saw a lot of the classic kung fu uh kaiju and just kind of bizarre horror movies uh growing up you know yeah we had Um, kung fu theater yeah we had kung fu theater and uh uh what was the other one it it was always a kaiju movie uh mm. godzilla theater maybe no it it had giant monster theater (laughs) yeah right something like that but yeah but you something know what I'm generic, about. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it was something generic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes so, to Twilight uh, Zone, go ahead. Oh, no. I, I was going to let you go first and uh, start talking about some of your favorite uh, anthology episodes, some of the favorite stuff. Well, go, go yeah. for it. When it comes to Twilight Zone, it was, uh, well... The remake and the original, because I've seen the remake first, which was George Miller's remake of it. And it's one of the few shining gems in the pretty crappy Twilight Zone, the movie. 
Yeah. And that would be Terra at 10,000 feet. I love both versions of that. It's They're so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a classic episode, and it was one that I hemmed and hawed about to see if I was going to put it on my my list. But don't worry. My Twilight Zone episode is... Uh, is is just as uh you know popular but yeah um i i i like the i like the twilight zone movie version better uh just because i i always think that the uh that the the 60s version with uh william shatner i just think that the monster looks goofy it doesn't do it for me you know like it doesn't scare me you know um i i I think that's really where they pumped it up in the twilight zone uh the movie well it's george freaking miller he knows how to keep moving 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 (laughs) yeah yeah right I know. Uh, <laughs> and the thing uh, yeah, that the, he was almost him and his and his thing was almost knocked off the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, that that was a uh that movie was a troubled production and it's uh yeah. it's sad to think it, it's sad to think about because it had so many great actors and directors working on it and uh you know, like they had so much trouble not just I mean, you know, budget problems, but obviously uh, anyone who knows the story of Twilight Zone, the movie, knows that some very famous actors were accidentally killed in a helicopter accident. Uh, I Uh, wouldn't call it accidental if you've actually heard the audio of the behind the movie footage. Do you think it was an intentional murder? Well... The stunt guy's like, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. And Landis yells at him, I don't fucking care. We got to get this in the fucking can. We're filming this now. Hmm. Well, I have always kind of thought Landis was an asshole anyway. So now yeah. that I hear now that I hear from you that he might be uh, responsible for, uh, you know, accidental manslaughter death I, well I I like in his it. defense landis was going to cop to it until george lucas and spielberg got him in the back and he says you will not cop to anything you will not say another word because if you get in trouble we get in trouble <laughs> and, and 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 i'm sure that that's got to be like some gangster level shit. If you if you get pulled into a room with Lucas and Spielberg, yeah. and they're like, "Hey, you didn't see. You, hey, hey, you didn't see a thing, right? You didn't see a thing. If hey, you want to yeah, keep working in this, <laughs> if you want to keep and working in this town, that, you his story come up short, and the story that they cut was going to cut. Well. They decided to put it in there, and that's George Miller's Terror to that 10,000 feet, and it ended up getting the best reviews of the whole movie. Right. Uh, I didn't I didn't really think about this movie much when I was uh, thinking about my stuff today, um, but now that you bring it up, I really liked, uh, you know, Joe Dante's... Oh, that uh, was good, too. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, the what's the? I can't remember the name of the, uh, the episode. Forget it, but, but yeah, the little boy and stuff. Yeah, the and boy the who wishes people into the, the cornfield. And the giant rabbit oh. coming out of the TV. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. The giant rabbit coming out of the TV and uh, the sister whose mouth was sealed shut because she said bad things to him. Like, yeah. Yeah, those, those are images that have stayed with me. I mean, obviously you know, you and I are movie nerds. I, obviously, I've watched that movie a thousand times, but I'm just saying from the first time I saw it. And that great uh, bumper with uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, right? <laughs> you want to see something really uh, scary? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, for my... Uh, for my Twilight Zone episode, and I like I you you said you know terror at twenty thousand feet, uh, which is a a staple. Everyone knows that one. Everyone knows the one I'm going to mention too. Uh, I know it's goofy, but my favorite Twilight Zone episode is To Serve Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Punchline in there. Yeah. Yeah, you have to watch the episode to really appreciate the punchline. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I I've always loved that episode. It's it's just so much fun for me. Like, uh, I, I and you know, uh, I I've been married to Abby for twelve years now, yeah. and 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 I've told you before that she grew up very sheltered. Uh, her parents didn't let her watch anything that wasn't like PG, you know? So when she and I met, uh, I introduced her to a lot of like, uh, you know, punk rock music and gangster rap and horror movies and horror TV shows and stuff that she had never seen before. And the first time I showed her (laughs) to serve man, she turned and looked at me and she was like, um, y- you're, you're kind of retarded, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, you didn't like, I was like, I was like, you didn't like that. And she was like, no, no. <laughs> Another favorite of mine is the one with, uh, uh, the woman who's afraid of death. So she brings in, uh, Paul New, no, not Paul New, Robert Redford. I don't, I can't remember. I don't remember that one. And it turns out Robert Redford is deaf and that she's afraid of him for no reason at all. Huh. No, I don't remember that one. I I don't, I I mean, I... I know for I know for certain I've seen every episode of the Twilight yeah. Zone a hundred times, but that one doesn't sound familiar to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that so, was the big one. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Oh no, I no, I uh, I was going to move on to uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, but if you still have something to say about oh, Twilight Zone, yeah, go go for it. Well, let's just go and say that the 80s remake, not the two crappy ones in the OOs, the 80s remake is just good. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, actually, I was going to save that for the end. Uh, okay. My, but, my, yeah, we'll my save that fate, for the end yeah. then. Moving yeah. on. Yeah, my, yeah. I, I was I was going to talk about Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Then, uh, cause yeah. We talked about, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. And I think we both agreed uh, Lamb to the Slaughter was our favorite uh, yeah. our favorite episode. And that's yeah. the one uh, with... That, uh, the woman who kills her husband with the uh, frozen leg of lamb and then serves it up to the cops and they eat it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Again, I, I, I was, I was talking to Abby about this this morning because I said, mm-hmm. Oh, this is something Stephen and I are going to talk about on the show tonight. And again, she was like, are you retarded? <laughs> mm-hmm. She, she's like I, she's like I don't under she's like I don't understand what you got what what appeals to you guys about this stuff and I was like you you knew what you were getting into when you married me it's been twelve yeah. years don't pretend you don't know well some uh, of the best so writers yeah. we had were on these shows Richard Matheson yeah Lamb yeah Lamb to the Slaughter was written by Roald Dahl. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um but even though you and I agreed that that was uh that that was uh, uh our favorite episode of Hitchcock. Um I think the first episode ever uh the mm-hmm. season 1 episode 1 was the best episode ever. Um I can't recall the title off the top of my head but uh a husband and his wife move to the beach mm-hmm. and 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 she's raped and yeah. then yeah rem- remember that episode it's like i said it's season 1 episode 1 uh yeah and she's raped and then when they're dri- when they're driving home after she come after she leaves the hospital she points out the guy that she claims raped her and her mm-hmm. husband murders him. And then the next guy that they see walking down the street, she claims that's the guy that raped her. Like, yeah. So, so she's clearly lost her mind. And yeah, that, that's another one that I remember from being a kid and just feeling like it was oh, very chilling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was very chilling. And, you know, well, let's not forget I, like, your obligatory Tarantino reference. What's Tarantino's favorite episode that Alfred Hitchcock presents? Man from the South. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the one uh, with the guy that bets him uh, his thumb to $100 that he cannot light a lighter 10 times in a row. Yes. And you know what makes me upset about that is Man from the South is one of my favorite episodes of uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, but it's uh, one of my least favorite Tarantino things. Yeah, like, but Tarantino it's just has a, the better ending to it. Yeah, yeah. His he ending is like, more comedic. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know why I just like it better, even though I hate that movie. I mean, it's just click. Okay, I did it. What the boom? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um 
Yeah, I I I don't I don't particularly care for four rooms. Of course, I own a copy of it because I admire and follow all of the directors that worked on it. But yeah, if we're talking about four rooms, we're talking about Rodriguez. You know, his yeah. segment is the best. Yeah, okay. his, and his uh, is the best. what happened? In between filming of season two and three of the Alfred Hitchcock Presents show, where he took the writer from the show and the crew from the show and just knocked off something real quick in the three months between season two and three. Uh, My favorite movie of all time, uh, Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how yeah, good that a was... that he had going on Alfred Hitchcock Presents. That they just did that that quick. It was just boom, 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 boom. It's done. Yeah, uh and that was pretty crazy. Um the studio, he actually uh as far as legend goes, he actually went to the studio and asked if he could have money to film Psycho in the you know, in the off time from Alfred Hitchcock presents and they looked at the book and they were like, this is never going to make any money and we're not going to pay for color film. You know, we're not going to do any of this. And Hitchcock was just like, well, what if I film it in black and white and use my crew from the show and you don't have to pay us any extra money. And they were like, shrug okay i guess <laughs> you know like yeah but yeah there's so many good episodes of it and alfred hitchcock presents has a lesser love than the twilight zone because of the bland remake show from the 80s yeah the yeah, I did. I I couldn't think of any uh, Alfred Hitchcock episodes from the '80s that did anything for me. Uh, you know, uh, there was another Hitchcock episode. I think it was a Hitchcock episode, but I couldn't remember, mm-hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't find any information about it online. But um, isn't there an episode of Hitchcock where a burglar breaks into a house where a woman has a bunch of cuckoo clocks. I, I, I thought there was an episode of Hitchcock. Yeah. I thought it was Hitchcock, but oh, well, there's uh, another it, uh, fam- famous one, uh, Alfred Hitchcock that we're forgetting, and it's the one with Telly Sabalas. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm talking Tina, and I don't like you. I'm mm-hmm. going to kill you. <laughs> oh gosh, that that wasn't that wasn't Hitchcock though. That was that was Twilight well, Zone. Well, yeah, it's another Twilight Zone. We can't yeah. mi- without yeah, mentioning that, that one. Uh, yeah. The problem yeah. with watching Twilight Zone in syndication is that the one-hour episodes were either cut to sheep or weren't shown in the syndication package. Yeah, I don't uh, I mean it's Twilight Zone is available on Hulu and you can watch every season if you have a Hulu subscription but um 
I don't I don't know. I watch it quite frequently, but I don't care for the hour long episodes. I think it just you know it. it well, there's one. There was and no it was, uh, him taking an Oscar winning uh, short for best picture and just showing it on the Twilight Zone. Yeah, occurrence at Al Creek Bridge. <laughs> and that Creek one's Bridge. really good. Mm. It was like my teacher in there, she's like, oh, it was on the Twilight Zone. It ripped. My literature teacher's like, oh, it's on Twilight Zone. It really might not be good. So I went and found the videotape that had it on it, and I'm like, here, and then showed it to the class, and she's like, wow, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we talked about this last week. Funny story, and uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, not not on our show, uh, on this not on this show, but we teamed up uh, on Sunday for Steve's video store, and I told you the story about uh, the the time that my English teacher showed us uh, the Igmar Bergman Virgin Spring. And when it came to the rape scene, he just stood in front of the TV until it was over. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So I don't know if that was more or less traumatizing. I mean, of course, I've seen the movie several times since then, but I was like, dude, you're just standing in front of the rape scene. We can't see it, but we can still hear it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if this. I don't know if this is better or worse. Uh, yeah, uh, so you were sitting there going, uh, I've seen this damn thing before. I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the other one I wanted to talk about uh, when it comes, I, I can't remember if it was Alfred Hitchcock or Twilight Zone. I think it was Alfred Hitchcock. Um, uh, the Gentleman's Club, where one guy just brags that boasts and brags all the time. And uh, one of the other guys in the club is irritated because he, you know, it's, it's like a 1960s gentleman club. So they go there to read and smoke cigars and and drink brandy, you know, relax after work. So um, he, he bets the guy a hundred dollars that he can't uh, not talk for one year. And, Uh Uh, and, and the guy does end up not talking for one year, but then he reneges on the bet when he uh, reveals that he sliced his vocal cords. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. That's Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, I think that was. Yeah, I think that was a Hitchcock. I think that was a Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he when. Uh, at the end, when the guy who knows he's about to lose the bet freaks out, you know, like, you know, come on, talk, damn it. He pulls off his, uh, you know, collar and tie and everything and shows that he only won the bet because he sliced his own vocal cords the year before when they made the bet. So, yeah, <laughs> that that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was a Hitchcock, but that's that's a favorite yeah. of mine. Yeah. So um the the next up if do you if you have any do you have anything more to say about Hitchcock or are you ready to move on to something else? Move on. Okay, the next up I wanted to talk about was uh uh some of my favorite 
shorts from Creep Show and Creep Show Two. That's that's what I well, that's what I had on that, on my. Let me go to an obscure little TV show from the sixties, and that's Thriller with uh, Boris Karloff. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, and mine would be this story of a guy named Arlie Howard, and I'm amazed they even got the title on TV. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's pigeons, and it's option of Arlie Howard's Pigeons from Hell. You can see it on YouTube because I don't think they ever released Thriller as a complete set. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I I think it's you can see episodes of it on YouTube, but uh, yeah, it it was very similar to uh, to Alfred Hitchcock presents, and uh, it had a lot of famous people on it. If you look through it over the uh, over the years, uh, yeah, I remember I I remember uh, Leslie Nielsen being on it. Um, uh that that was kind of one of the reasons why when Leslie Nielsen went over with the Zucker brothers and started doing comedy uh people were really surprised because he had been known for more dramatic roles uh in 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 the 60s yeah so. and thriller has one of the nastiest episodes in anthology history all I'm going to say is the earwig did you ever see that one Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's the one where the airplane yeah. gets in the guy's ear and starts eating his way through his brain, and he's about to go insane, but the airway comes out the other side. But the airway lays eggs in the guy's brain, and he goes mad as the babies are born, and they start eating his brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's definitely, and you know, the thing is you and I goof around and we talk about like disturbing movies when we talk about like Solo or, uh, you know, Serbian film or something like that. We're, we're coming at this, uh, from, you know, we're, we're the same age. We're, you know, we're late forties, early fifties. We're, we're the same age. We grew up in the same context. When you think about something like that, you know, like that was something that people had never seen before. You know, we 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 grew up uh, with all of this, like, you know, disturbing imagery and violence and stuff. And that's why we just kind of ingested it. But, you know, I mean, think about being a 12 year old kid and watching that episode and being like, wait. Uh, earwigs can just eat your brain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, and that, uh, that, that, yeah, that kid. And what that, that kid's Yeah, what was oh, that kid? Yeah, this uh, what thing was the author of Pigeons from Hell most famous for? Hmm. I don't remember who, uh, oh, Robert Howard. Yeah, he was, yeah. uh, most, yeah, Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian, yeah. yeah. And Pigeons from Hell is the only story where he wrote himself in. 
because after the haunted house stuff is done during the first half, the sheriff that shows up is Sheriff R. Howard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, you know, you got to, sometimes you got to give yourself a cameo, even if you don't have a cameo, you know. Yeah, and uh, before we do that, uh, really, uh, Creepshow and Creepshow 2 was the third uh, EC Comics adaption. Yeah, you're right. The yep. first two was by Amicus, and that was Tales from the Crypt and uh, Vault of Horror. But we'll get to those after we do this uh, creep show. Yeah, and we can do it in whatever order. I can't yeah. pick a story out of creep show because all of them are good. Yeah, creep show is one of my favorite movies of all time. I I always, you know, uh, I it, it's hard to pick, but. If I had to pick one from Creepshow, I would say The Crate. You know, <laughs> uh, that, I, I really like that one a lot. Uh, uh, and it doesn't have, it doesn't have a twist ending. It's a very straightforward story, you know, doesn't have a twist ending, uh, which, you know, when we, when we talk about Tales from the Crypt, I'll talk about you know, some of the episodes I like from Tales from the Crypt. And I understand, I understand that Creepshow was influenced by Tales from the Crypt. Uh, And there are some twist endings in both the first and second uh, Creepshow films. But The Crate doesn't really have a twist ending as such, you know. Well, the twist Uh, in The Crate is that Stephen King and George Romero wished that they knew that they were going to be distributed by Warner Brothers before they filmed the crate. And why, may you ask? Because in the original short story, the crate reads from Tasmanian Expedition. Yes. Right. So, (laughs) originally, Fluffy was supposed to be Taz. And how awesome that right. would have been that Taz. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was going to pick the nastiest one, the last one's still the nastiest for me, just seeing those bugs come out of E.G. Marshall. Yeah. Oh, uh, again, so, uh, you know, I, I mention this all the time. Abby is not a fan of horror movies. Yeah. And and she and I are both Buddhists. So whenever there's an insect in our house, we catch it and we let it outside. So uh, Stephen King hosted, uh, you know, for those of you who haven't listened before or don't know, Abby and I live in Maine. And so... We live about an hour from Bangor, which is where Stephen King lives. So yeah. uh, he hosts he he hosts a lot of showings of his movies. And when you go, it's a cool deal. You uh, you know you pay your movie ticket, and they give you a little goodie bag that has one of Stephen King's novels in it that he's autographed, and it's got some candy and some popcorn, and it's a really fun time. 
if you ever get to Bangor, you should try it out. So yeah. anyway, Abby had never seen Creepshow, and we got to go see it on the big screen. And Stephen King was there to introduce the film, and we got our goodie bags with our autographed novels and our snacks and everything, and uh, she was okay with creep show until the final segment yeah like you said the cockroaches bursting out of eg marshall was just a little too much for her well you can tell like, that the cockroaches were all right and that george romero kept getting letters from the people who worked in that soundstage for years after going you motherfucker the bugs are still here yeah, right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you if, if you read the credits, if you read the credits in the Creep Show, it there someone is listed as the cockroach wrangler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was like the bugs got loose and found a home in there, and they kept finding them for years and years afterwards. <laughs> 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 and the kept like you motherfucker, what the hell? <laughs> now let's and so, go to creep show too. Yeah, creep. I got to There's say only this. one good. There's, there's only, only one. one. What? Which one? There's only one good one in creep show too. Which one? For me, it's the raft. What's your What's your vote? I like the last two stories. Thanks to the ride lady is good. If I'm going to pick the real stinker turd shitball, Chief Woodenhead. God. Yeah, I don't. I was like, yeah, I don't, is this I, motherfucker going to be over? Yeah. But I will tell you an interesting story about uh, the uh, thanks for the ride. uh mm-hmm. uh I lived in the town where they filmed that for uh that is Bangor. Uh that's that's where that's yeah. where Stephen King lives and so I told you before I've I lived in Bangor for some years. Um but there's some interesting things about the way that they filmed that. Uh they had to shut down the streets even though it was the middle of the night when they were filming that because they drove the wrong way on one way streets. To film <laughs> all of that, all, all of yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So I mean, well, you know, like they had watching this in- distance with someone from Pittsburgh, and then telling you that when they turn a curve, they're like four blocks away from where the other curve is. Yeah. Like right. That. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's true too. When when you watch that segment, uh, yeah, I promise you that uh, that those. Uh, streets are not near each other. No, no. When yeah. she leaves, when she leaves the uh, <laughs> the the uh, what what do you call it? The um, condominium, and then she drives down that street. That next street that she drives up is a one-way street that she's driving the wrong way on, and it's two miles away from that, those condominiums. And when she, when she hits the guy uh, in the on-ramp, that's like seven miles away from where she was yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
Now let's bring up something that you're probably going to call me a motherfucker for bringing up. What do you think of Creepshow 3? No. You motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I I couldn't I couldn't even get through it honestly I couldn't even get through it I I I I watched it for a while and was just like I don't even get this like and you know it's sad when like you and I are like B to Z movie nerds like we'll yeah. pretty much sit through anything and when when I watch a movie that's so bad that I can't sit through it, I'm just like, nope, this is, uh, it, it was too much. I couldn't, I couldn't even get through it. I never even finished yeah. it. T- Did you terrible. think of uh, Creepshow, the television series? I loved that. I loved Creepshow, the television series. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that, was, re- that was really good. Uh, there were some episodes that were that were weaker than others. But I mean, you know, that's what we're talking about tonight is anthology shows and every yeah. anthology. Show and has, for people who don't know what I'm talking about is that after creep show was a big hit that Romero and King wanted to do it as a TV show. But then they were like, no, no, we're going to keep the creep show name for the movie. Okay. We'll just change the name, and what did they change the name to? Tales from the Dark Side. The Dark Side. I can remember when it first showed, it was when they were having trouble getting the first season out. I seen that first episode with the guy who trick-or-treat four times, because they showed it four weeks in a row before we even got to the second episode. (laughs) <laughs> right. But yeah. yeah that um, per- Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. Uh, yeah, Tales from the Dark Side was terrible. I mean, when we were thinking about talking about anthology shows, I tried to tried to think of an episode of Tales from the Dark Side that I really love, but. Yeah, it it was just horrible. I mean, the production values were terrible, and it, to wit, if we if we're gonna talk about George Romero hey, shows, stubborn. monsters, monsters was terrible too. Like, yeah, a case of the stubborns. Yeah. That one was good. The one with the old man who, from the Robert Block story, who was too stubborn to admit that he was dead. Yeah, I don't know. And, I don't. I don't feel it. And the one with Tom Savini directed about the little girl monster in the closet that turned out to be uh, the guy's uh, daughter. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I I guess that one. But was the problem okay, with but... uh, Tales in the Dark said there was too many. <gasps> Holy shit! It's the devil episodes. Yeah, and. That's the same thing with with monsters, you know, which was like well, I said, monsters the other was the George... official uh, Tales from the Dark Side season five and six, right? But I mean, 
Tales from the Dark Side, I mean, I guess I shouldn't shit all over it because obviously it had George Romero and Richard Rubenstein, uh, who were Fuck always Richard a powerhouse. <clears throat> well, they were always a powerhouse of, you know, production. So, um, but yeah, uh, it did have like Stephen King written episodes and Harlan Ellison written episodes and Clive Barker. And, you know, I mean, it the, wasn't. Well, the biggest thing about it is that it started the 80s uh, anthology boom. But, I would like to uh, go back to 1969 for one of my – the rest of the movie is kind of boring, and it's uh, Tales uh, of the Unknowns, uh, Italian uh, Poe Anthology. The first episode sucked, but then you got a pure masterpiece, which is Toby Dammit. Yeah. Yep. Especially if you watch I would the agree English dub because it has one of my favorite insults of all time. <laughs> you all yeah. give me the shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forget uh, who was it that played Toby. He was in the and played Zod. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't Karen remember. Stamp. Terrence Stamp. Oh, Terrence Stamp, yes. He is just so fucking amazing in that movie. He's always good, but he's like, uh, I don't know. He, his acting style intrigues me because he seems so subdued, you know, like no matter what kind of character he's playing, like. If he's a violent killer, he's uh, he's so he's still so like straight faced and yeah, you know calm, calm you know like like yeah, that scene in the library it, where he just sets up, takes a puff off the cigarette, pulls out the gun, and just walks in, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> right. Yeah. And let's not yeah, forget one know. of the best, one of my favorites, uh, Mario Baba's uh, Black Sunday. No, Black Sabbath. Right? Black Sabbath. Yeah, Black Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah, Black Sunday is the uh, Michael Mann film it, about the blood. Well, no, Black Sunday up. is the first film that Mario Baba directed with Barbara Steele. But Black Sabbath is a movie that. These four guys out of England seen and loved so much, they were like, let's make music that sounds like this movie. <laughs> well, you know, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of a bad story in Black Sabbath. I like all three of them. Uh, the word right? lack with... Uh, Boris Karloff, uh, the drop of water, that one scared the living shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, I, that's funny you should bring that up because I I thought about it the other day too, but uh, not necessarily in conjunction with our show tonight, but it just popped into my mind as like uh, I was having 
uh, a panic attack. And <laughs> I, I, I think that was what brought it on. Yeah, just, I woke up and start. Yeah, yeah. I woke up and started thinking about that, and I was just like, "Yeah, where's my, where are my anxiety pills?" <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah. yeah. Now, and we forgot the outer limits. We got to go to that one. That oh, one. Oh yeah, that's right. Sci-fi one. Yeah. I don't know. Um. I can't really think of any Outer Limits episodes that I really loved. I I mean I I've watched them all and I do I do like them. But can you think of one that really for uh, me the opening, Demon with a Glass Hand, the Harlan Ellison? Yeah, yeah. Soldier? I mean I like Demon with a Glass Hand better when it was called Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Don't right. fuck with Harlan yeah. Ellison. No, no, no. <laughs> and of course, my uh, favorite is Zonti Misfits. You gotta love that one. Where they, yeah. where the Zonti sent their criminals to this planet. You know why? We're the only planet bloodthirsty enough to murder them for them. <laughs> and then that guy All jumps right. up like, why you? I ought to punch you for saying that. <sighs> and he's like, you know he's right. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, we're a bunch of murderous bastards. <laughs> and we've lost Nate. It's 54 minutes, so his computer must be deciding to fuck with him again. <laughs> but, yeah, there's so many good ones on there. They're like Prisoner, Demon with a Glass Hand. It's not rerun. It was not rerun as much as Twilight Zone. I don't know. It's because the, all the episodes of The Outer Limits was an hour. And, uh, which means that the TV shows had to make a very special effort to show the Outer Limits because they were an hour. Yeah, and that's what I was saying before about, uh, you know, the hour-long Twilight Zone episodes kind of drove them out of their time slot. That's why... Season four is the only season that has hour-long episodes, and then season five of Twilight Zone went back to half an hour again. Um, And then when Rod Serling did uh, Night Gallery, they they didn't give him the full hour because they realized that even though they did that. It's just that really? the episodes were butchered to shit when they were put in syndication. They took the one-hour episode, which they all were, and cut them into a half-hour slot, which means that its reputation is based on a confusing mess where half of the episode is missing. Hmm. I never knew that. I've only ever experienced uh, 
I've only ever experienced night gallery and half hour episodes and I've, I never really pursued it that much anyway. Um, you know, I, it, yeah. it's available well, on, yeah. you know, it's like I said, it's got a bad reputation because of, uh, that. And plus they yeah. took a one hour epi- uh, another one called the psychic man with, uh, Gary Marshall where he was like a psychic detective and they slapped it on there so they'd have enough episodes for syndication. So you had like a, about 12 episodes that had nothing to do with the freaking tw- night gallery. Huh. I never knew that. That's interesting. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, Amicus started, they're one of the big ones when it comes to the movies. They started in the mid-60s with uh, Dr. Terror's House of uh, Horror, uh, Torture Garden, and they were a big hit, so they went from there. Yeah, uh, I I have a copy of Torture Garden on VHS that I've I've had since uh I don't even want to say because you know the best I'm, I'm old. which is uh uh Chris no Peter Cushing and Jack Palance and the man who collected Poe. Yep. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah. I I would vote for that for sure. Yep. Yeah. And what but then then Go ahead. Oh. No, no you were going to say what? No, I'm out. Oh, I was going to say we were going to talk about, if we're talking about Amicus, we were going to talk about Freddie Francis and Tales from the Crypt and stuff, right? Like, Yeah, we'll get, yeah. But here's yeah, the question. Yeah, okay. In what eh, adaption of Ray Bradbury's story was mentioned in Tino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, you got my, you got, uh, you got my, uh, you got my feet in the fire, man. You know, I love Tarantino, but, uh, I, I do not know the answer to the question. I'm sorry. The Illustrated Man. The Illustrated Uh, Man plays on the radio while Cliff's driving down the road. Right. Yeah. All right. I owe you $5. It was like 1970, and they decided, since no one had really done it before, tried to do an EC Comics adaption, they did Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror. And they're both pretty good. I've got the Shout Factory double feature Blu-ray that has the uncut version of Vault of Horror. If you have the DVD, you have the cut version of Vault of Horror. I have both of those movies on VHS as well. And uh, uh, here's some trivia that our fans may or may not know, but both of those films were directed by Freddie Francis, obviously based on EC Comics. Uh, Freddie Francis, uh, after his directing career, went on to be the cinematographer for David Lynch on several of his films. So uh, if you like those movies, 
uh, you should check out David Lynch. He's an up and comer. He's a, yeah. you're going to love him. <laughs> but yeah, what was your favorite story from the Tales from the Crypt amicus movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to say the first story that like the monkey's paw one, but at the yeah. same time, I'm like, but that's, that's not an original tale. Uh, you know, that's a, that's, that's a story that's been done again and again, but I really like the last story, uh, with the, uh, nursing home owner. Oh yeah. Who, the blind man. Yeah. yeah. That was vicious yeah. as hell. The, yeah. The nursing home owner, uh, who takes care of the blind, everyone in the nursing home is blind. And so, and he, yeah, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't heat the nursing home he doesn't feed them properly and at the end uh they work together to get their revenge i love that one that that that's a really good one yeah the peter, the peter cushing one is great too oh the yeah one where the guy yeah. tortures him till he yeah. kills himself and then he comes back and rips his heart out you were mean and cruel right mean from the start. start. And now you really have really no have heart. No <laughs> yeah. You have no one in here holding that. There's his heart just. Uh, ah! Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, both of those movies are really good, you know. Uh, the second both of those one, I love the uh, yeah. I love the idea of the vampire restaurant. <laughs> the horror, yeah. yeah. Where they just take the guy and just hang him upside down, and they just boop, put like a spigot in his neck, and then eh, ooh, type A, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> right. That that kind of seems like, um, and I, I'm not sure, but it, that that uh, segment kind of feels like it influenced uh, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Demon Knight. You know when they did those those two Tales from the Crypt movies, which yeah. I feel were both horrible. But but you hey, know what the I mean. First one was I, fun. Billy Zane, fun, damn it! But... Billy Zane, damn it! <laughs> The second one can burn yeah. in hell. <laughs> Billy Zane should have died on the Titanic. <laughs> but yeah, those two are good. And the DVD and the Blu-ray is cheap. It's about 13 14 bucks, and you get both films and a pretty decent amount of extras. Yeah, they're both, they're both good. And Especially, you know, that's another thing about me that I'm sure all of our listeners know. I'm a comic book nerd, and I really love all of those EC comics. And so I I collect all those, and I I love those movies. They they do they do a good job of uh, honoring the actual comics. So. Yeah, check them out. And like I said, Freddie Francis directed both films and then went on to work uh, as cinematographer for David Lynch. So, you know, if and you're... Pretty much any of the Amicus Anthology films, my personal favorite is Asylum. 
Yep, asylum. Yeah, that's a good one too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with that, <clears throat> I can remember that scaring the crap out of me as a kid with them body parts just crawling across the floor. Right. Just like. Yeah. <laughs> right. And let's not forget yeah. a certain TV anthology from the seventies. Uh, oh had, boy. Which is written by Richard Matheson. The first two stories are okay. They're not that dang good. But, but then the we go story. to Amelia. <laughs> oh, I know many yeah. people. My wife would not let me get. Remember when they put out as a toy the 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 Zanti Zuni fetish doll. <laughs> My wife yep. would not let me get that. She said, no, I will divorce you if you <laughs> buy that. Oh. Aren't you divorced? So. Yeah, but now it costs over a hundred bucks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have just gotten divorced when it was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with that little uh, doll, it's some of the, one of the scariest 30 minutes in TV history. Especially after the first two ant stories, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, this is uh, it's definitely a classic that all horror exploitation aficionados should have seen by now, but you know, I guess that's why people listen to our show to get some advice about what to check out but yeah um i the thing i find most fascinating about that movie is that karen black stars in all she stars in all three of the stories yeah but you're but you're right the first she doesn't play the same character she just stars in all three of the stories and uh and you're right the first couple are kind of boring but yeah, the the yeah the third story is fucking amazing. <laughs> if you haven't yeah. seen it, then if, if if you haven't seen it, then uh, you're not a real horror fan. But you're right. So fucking amazing that they released a VHS with just that story on it back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well. You you uh you remember uh Frank Darabont's first film uh Frank Darabont director of uh Shawshank Redemption The Mist yeah. um so so again uh going back to living in Bangor and here's something that any aspiring filmmakers might not know but Stephen King will sell you the rights to any one of his stories or novels for one dollar. I don't uh, know because if you've su- uh, seen it, but there's a documentary out now called uh, Stephen King's Dollar Babies. Right. I have not seen it. I'll have to check it out. But it is a truism. I actually I know Stephen King personally, and it is a truism. He will sell you the rights to one of his books or movies for a dollar. If you're an independent filmmaker who has, doesn't have a budget, uh, 
I guess maybe he'll do it if you're a millionaire too, who's just going to make a big budget movie. But I don't think so. I no, think he's more... he won't. No, his dollar babies is for like more like film school projects and short films like yeah. that. Yeah, and so that's how Frank Darabont got his start. He made uh, he made the woman in uh, the room. a short film, the woman in the room, right? And uh, that's what brought that to mind is he put that out on i i have that on a vhs tape along with yeah uh another short film uh the boogeyman that another film student made yeah so yeah, that's that, another that one of my v- is very rare because uh they didn't ask stephen king's permission when they put out right? that tape yeah. Right. They had his, and... they had his permission to they had his permission to make the films for film school, but they didn't have his permission to release the tape. Well, the filmmakers it. didn't even know that they were going to release it on tape. It's one of those things right? like Darabonti's like, I can't believe you gave him the right to put that on a commercial videotape. And King's like, what? <laughs> 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 and then that thing got pulled. But yeah, I, I mean, found in the it 70s, at a... go, where'd you find it at? There was this guy who had a huge, like, Walmart-sized <laughs> space in a strip mall, and he would travel out of state every weekend and go to... uh you know, cons, uh, and he would just buy up, like, all the VHS that he could find. And so every time I went into that video store, I would find something rare, something weird, you know, uh, wizard video, uh, you know, yeah, he just, you know, he had all of it, just, and he... He didn't really know what he was getting into. He would just buy up huge armloads of VHS because he knew people would come buy it. So that's where I got a lot of my uh, rare VHS stuff. That's where I got my copy of uh, uh, Perry Farrell's movie. Uh, What what was that Uh, movie that Perry Farrell directed? I I forget. The one where he uh, has him overdosing on heroin. Yeah, his, his yeah, his wife overdoses on heroin and yeah. yeah I can't I've remember the name that. of it. I have Yeah, I have it here somewhere. Yeah, it's but, yeah, uh Yeah, it just seems after Amicus and the last one they did was uh From Beyond the Grave, which is pretty good. Uh the anthology film dried up. I mean, we've already talked about Twilight the movie in the early 80s which was an aborted attempt because of all the nastiness but then creep show and creep show came out and then they did tales of the dark side and people are like that's making money so we got amazing stories which wasn't that yeah. good it has a couple of good episodes mm-hmm. uh, yeah you and i were you yeah go you go with with yours no you go with yours uh go to the head of the classroom the one that NBC found too violent 
which is the one with Christopher Lloyd getting his head cut off by these two Satanists in a ritual. But then them putting uh, <laughs> the picture back together, and then his head is just taped on. It's just a fun little nah. Halloween. And Paul Bartell <laughs> yeah. directed a remake of another short film that he did, which was uh, The Secret Cinema. And what makes takes yeah. over the top and the greatness is at the end, it shows uh, the Blands from Eating Raul sitting in the theater, and Mary Warnoff leans over to Paul and goes, what did you think about that? I think the director <laughs> was a hack. Let's go. <laughs> 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 yeah, the only uh the I, I mentioned this to you uh yesterday or or the day before when we were talking. The only memorable episode of Amazing Stories for me uh is the one where the the two kids get struck by lightning on the same night and they're yeah. magnetic. Yeah. And so the girl is like a, a nerd and the guys like the, you know, captain of the football team or something. But yeah. when they go back to, they go back to school the next day, they're both magnetic. So they're just drawn to each other and can't, yeah. <laughs> can't get away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, 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 that one was funny. Uh, and I, I, I almost want to say Joe Dante directed that, but I'm not 100% sure. He directed a couple I, uh, let, of them, and they're pretty much the only good ones outside of yeah, Paul Bartell's right. one. Oh, yeah, and, and I do. What was I do that? like the Paul Paul Bartell. Yeah, Paul Bartell one. Yeah. What was that anthology I forgot from uh, 1982 that had Eugene Levy in it? Uh, Harold Ramis, uh, John Candy. Damn it, what was that? Well, and it was based I mean, on a French you... magazine. Yeah, I don't know. All I can think of with that, with that cast of characters is SCTV, but I know that's not what you're talking about. No, Heavy Metal. No. Oh, Heavy Metal. Yeah. yeah, that was a complete Canadian movie. Like Eugene Levy and Harold Ramis, they played the two stoned aliens. Flies in <laughs> ship stoned. <laughs> and John Candy played Din and the robot that ends up screwing the redheaded girl. Right? Yeah. My favorite... My favorite segment from Heavy Metal is the one where the guy pretends that the apocalypse happened just so he can leave his wife in the uh, <laughs> in the fallout shelter all day and go drink with his friends at the bar. <laughs> That's uh, the remake of uh, The Outer Limits. Right. Well, you were talking uh, about heavy metal, though, so... Yeah, yeah. that one that well, one had Harry Canyon at the first, about the cab driver, uh, Din, uh, B-17 Bomber, the first zombie film from Dan O'Bannon, 
the one with the aliens who kidnapped the girl, and then Tarna. Oh, yeah, and Captain Stern. Hmm. Hanging's too good for him. Mooton's too good for him. We should take him out mm-hmm. back and burn him until he's a little bitty cinder. <laughs> <laughs> that we all watched as a small team for boobies, and then we came back because we loved the stories in it. Oh, I know. I just kept going back for the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> And the two aliens stoned, snorting all, laying down some of the biggest lines in cocaine in movie history. Told you this before. That's the funniest thing about my childhood is my parents were very permissive, but like, so they didn't care if I was looking at boobs or uh, watching horror movies or reading Stephen King novels, but Oh boy, did my mom get mad when she found that Cheech and Chong record in my out in my bedroom? <laughs> Just like <laughs> seriously, that's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I think about it all the time. I'm like, that's where we draw the line. I can watch porn. I can smoke pot. I can read horror novels. I can watch horror movies. I can read horror comics. Uh, but when I uh, listen to Cheech and Chong, I'm in trouble. Like, come on. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, and speaking uh, of another bad one that if we, any of us have a favorite episode from it, I'll be shocked. And that would be Nightmares from the, I forget what, it's the mid 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the one no. with uh, Emilio Estevez getting trapped in the video game is one of the stories. They filmed yep. that as a TV um, show, but it didn't go over, so they put a little bit of blood in it and so tried to sell it as an R-rated movie, and it didn't work. Well, you know that Emilio Estevez story is actually based on the Polybius uh conspiracy theory right um yeah uh yeah so yeah any anyone out there who's listening who doesn't know uh there there is a story you can look it up online and uh find all kinds of interesting information about it but apparently in the 1980s uh the the government put out a secret video game in just a few select markets called polybius and apparently it was supposed to be some kind of control or and or training device. No one really has ever been able to explain it. But um, all of the kids who played it uh, were addicted to it. And uh, some of them had seizures. Some of them died. And according to the few uh, people who saw or i guess the owners who who saw uh the men in black would come around once a month and take out the uh card in the back and then put a new card in to yeah they would uh, take out the data but they wouldn't take any of the quarters yeah exactly right so anyway uh i 
everyone who knows me knows that I love conspiracy theories and I believe in uh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, UFOs, but this one even is a little too much for me. <laughs> I, yeah. I've never... I've I've never believed in the whole Polybius thing. Uh but yes, you're right. That story in Nightmares is uh yeah, it's definitely based on the whole Polybius uh conspiracy theory. And it's And horrible. now yeah, it, there's a good one out there that not too many people have seen and that is from a whisper to a scream. Now that one was good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And not because so it what's was your favorite? in Tennessee. <laughs> oh, you're not you're not prejudiced. <laughs> My favorite, probably the one with uh, Pam Greer in it, where the guy becomes part of the circus, and then at the end he tries to leave, and then all, he too was a glass eater and nothing didn't get hurt. Then all the glass starts shooting out of him. Right. That or the one with yeah. Clint Gulliger and uh, him and his relationship with that girl. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have to warn anyone who's listening that might want to watch this movie. Um, there is some necrophilia involved, so maybe... <laughs> You know, take that with a Well, the original title of this was The Offspring. (laughs) And then they changed Uh, it to, it was originally Welcome to Old Field, and they changed it to Offspring, and they changed it to From a Whisper to a Scream. Right. Yeah, I think think the story that you're talking about is my favorite one as well. yeah, the carnival sideshow performer who eats glass and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the wraparound I story won't... is great, too. Yeah, and, you know, that's what that's what really makes for a good anthology film. I mean, we're talking about anthology films as well as anthology, anthology television shows. And, you know... Most anthology television shows, um, the you know whether it's Rod Serling or the Crypt Keeper, or their Hitchcock. introduction or Hitchcock, their introduction only pertains to the episode that you're about to see. Whereas anthology films, uh, they try to keep a, a story thread going between uh, between each. Uh, segment and i i think that it makes a difference it 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 builds momentum you know and it just depends on what order you decide to put the put the segments in especially in today's you know especially in today's market where you know you'll get like seven filmmakers working together you know on a on one of these anthology movies you know uh, a, a lot of these older anthology films, like again, when we were talking about the Amicus ones, uh, those were all, all, every segment was directed by the same director, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it, it was, you know, there was no need to really keep like a flow going between because uh, it was, you know, Freddie Francis directing 
every episode of that, you know, Tales from the Crypt or whatever, you know. Um, I was thinking about that the other day because I watched uh, John Carpenter's Body Bags. Um, but uh, that was another know. TV pilot that flopped, so they turned it into a movie. Yes, I know, right? That uh, that was supposed to compete with Tales from the Crypt uh, because uh, HBO had that hit on their hands. Was was Body Bags originally supposed to be uh, on like Showtime or or something yeah, like that? Like, uh, it yeah, was a Showtime. Yeah, Showtime follow up to The Hunger, which was their right. first horror, sexy anthology series. The first right. two seasons were hosted by, uh, well, damn it, the guy who starred in Toby Dammit. I forget his name again. But yeah, then, you forget his name every week. <laughs> yeah. But then the last two seasons were hosted by one of the stars of the Hunger movie, David Bowie. Right. Yeah, but then um, HBO come out with Tales from the Crypt, and that one was a runaway hit. Oh There's yeah, so many episodes I can't pick just a couple. Uh, like one of the ones I love that not too many people think about is the Kyle MacLachlan one from the first season, where uh, he plays a guy walking with the body through the desert, and he has lines like, "Women, you can't live with them." And you can't kill them and bury them in your backyard and say that they've gone to their aunts in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, the one with uh, Walter Hill, where the film noir with William Sanderson. Oh, yeah. Where he yeah, plays I like, about... electrocution, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Uh now, another series that I was thinking about that had a lot of great directors and a lot of great writers that uh, we hadn't mentioned when we were talking about the show before was Masters of Horror. And it just kind of came up in my head because we were talking about Showtime. Wasn't that where Masters of Horror originally debuted? Yeah, it did two seasons. And then there was a third butchered season on NBC called Horror. I forget what the name of it was, but it was sucked. It was like a neutered version of the Masters of Horror. Right. Um, so, if we're talking about Masters of Horror, my favorite episode of that was uh, Incident on and off a, off a mountain a road. road. Your, off mountain of road, road by Joe yeah. Orlando. Yeah, Mountain Road. Directed by... And who, uh, Don yeah, Coscarelli. I, I thought, yeah, yeah, and and we and we talk about Coscarelli a lot because he he rarely makes a movie, but when he does, it's always good. Obviously, I mean, he made uh, Phantasm. Uh, he did Bubba Hotep. Uh, uh, what what was his newest movie? Uh, oh, oh, uh, John dies at the end. John dies at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a really, he's one of those directors, uh, 
you know, one of the reasons why I love Tarantino so much is is because, and one of the reasons why I love the Coen brothers so much is that that you have that distinct visual style, you know, like when you see it, you lock in on it and it, it draws you into the story. You know, if, if you like their, if you like their, if you like their movies, you're going to love it no matter what, even if it's not their best movie. Yeah. If you have a, if you have a clear visual style, uh, you know, you can really, uh, you know, draw an audience in. And I, I, I appreciate that, you know, and he's one of those directors who really does have that. Well, ability. you know that I picked yeah. Incident off of Mountain Road because it was written by Joe God Lansdale. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Joe yes, Lansdale, I called him man. that when he was on the show and he laughed. He said, <laughs> I'm not, he just laughed. Yeah. I, uh, I, I hung out with him uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a, 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 maybe a very, I, I don't know what his situation is with selling the rights to his stories, but um, I can't recall what the film was, but some amateur filmmakers had made a movie based on one of his stories. Dead the West. He, and, yeah, and he actually showed up at the at the viewing, and we all just hung out. At, like you know, there were only like fifty people there. We all just hung out and drank beers and shot the shit. That guy is he's cool, man. Joe Lansdale yeah. is cool. <laughs> yeah, he's fun to hang out with. <laughs> and I happen to have a rare <laughs> magazine from 20 years ago that had an article that he had written in it and uh I gave it to him as a gift and he was super uh, appreciative he was really happy about it I was like hey as a writer I know how hard it can be sometimes to find your own material you know especially when stuff's out of print so I said I brought this for you as a gift and yeah. he bought me a beer <laughs> there was some good yeah, ones in the first season. See, uh, I'm one of the few that like Dreams in the Witch House. I don't know yeah, why not I mean, too many people didn't like it. I liked it. I thought it was a great Lovecraft adaption by uh, Stuart Gordon. Yeah, see, now I wanted to like that one more, like, uh, and that's the thing too is like so I get irritated with that show because so many good directors did what I felt was some of their worst work you know and I don't I, I don't mean to disparage anyone you know like ev- me, everyone's got a yeah I can Hooper remember did the... I was up in Pittsburgh with my girlfriend at the girlfriend up there and I was half asleep and I woke up and it was at the end of that damn thing and the whole thing started you know the end where it starts shaking and I yelled right. out at least they had the god at least they had the goddamn decency to kill that fucking horrible cameraman <laughs> uh, 
All right. So, well, we only got about 15 minutes left here. Yeah. Uh, what well, other shows? What other shows do you want to talk about? Well, we, the worst one, and I think we'd not disagree, is uh, real quick is Perversions of Science. That show only had one good episode. The rest were unwatchable shit. Yeah. And you probably know which one was the only one that was good. Let's see if you got it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I didn't really Jeffrey like Combs. any of them. The one with yeah. Jeffrey Combs. Where they, yeah. where it turns out they shoot him to Earth and he's shot in the past and he becomes Hitler. That was the only good episode. And that's because <laughs> Jeffrey Combs just knocked it out of the damn park. Well, Jeffrey Combs is always good. And I guess the only thing you can say about perversions of science was at least it was on HBO. So they got to swear and show boobs and stuff. But other than that, it was terrible. Like, yeah. but yeah, you're right. No, Jeffrey Combs always, always knocks it out of the park. He's, he's a great character actor. You know, and I don't think people appreciate him enough. Like, you know, we like, again, any fans of our show are obviously going to be fans of, you know, Reanimator and The Beyond and other films that he's been in. But uh, no, From Beyond. The Beyond. No, that's that's not him. From Beyond. You're right. From Beyond. Yeah, From Beyond. Okay, now... we can move on to the most underrated, which sadly it's because it's never been repeated. And really the only way to get the whole goddamn series of it is if you bought this giant mega Twilight Zone box set. And that is the 80s uh, relaunch of the Twilight Zone. That show was so good. Yeah. And I'm glad that we saved that for last because, uh, yeah, my number one on this list is from that series. So. What uh, is it? The Shadow Man. Oh, yeah. Mine would have to either be Paladin of the New Day. Or that one about the Vietnam veteran that uh, Wes Craven did. Right. Uh, mine uh, mine was directed by Joe Dante, the mm. Shadow Man. Uh, that was a Joe Dante episode. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's probably my favorite. Favorite, it didn't have that many uh, seasons, but they were all good. Yeah, and again, like I said, uh, when I was growing up, my parents were very permissive about what we were allowed to watch and read and and do, you know. So uh, I, I, I watch back on some of these old episodes of the 80s Twilight Zone, you know, and I was probably like, what? Uh, 10, 11, when that show was on the air, 
And my parents yeah. were just like, yeah, yeah, do whatever you want, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was just like, now I'm terrorized by that. But yeah, uh, The Shadow Man was an amazing episode of a show that you're not wrong. Was It was a really great show. Uh, I don't remember a lot of episodes of it, but sometimes I'll go back and watch some of the episodes, you know. Well, uh, only uh, it, two seasons of it, sadly. Yeah. It and was again, another one of those that was hard to watch because they kept bouncing it around time slots. Yeah, right? Yeah. And again, you can find a lot of episodes of it on YouTube, but the people who've uploaded them have done a shit job. So the aspect ratio is off. Like what is with these people? What is with these people who up, you know, upload videos Ah, of old TV shows and stuff? If you shoot it cockeyed a little bit, then you could say that you modified it and you can dodge the copyright copyright gods of YouTube. Yeah. I know it's sad. Or you could just... Yeah. yeah. Or you could just... What could have been, and I liked the first season, it was only one season and I liked it and I where it's going, but it really didn't get started off because NBC didn't give it a damn chance and it was their highest rated news show and that was uh, Wes Craven's uh, Nightmare Cafe. Oh, yeah, that's another one that I kind of forgot about when we were talking about what we were going to talk about tonight. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and one that's I, crappy but the fans want, and it's because they haven't seen it, because I have a question I'm going to ask you real quick after this. Is uh, Freddy's Nightmares that show sucked? There's just no way around yeah. it. That show sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of sad to think about all in all that. Um. You know, the way that the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise just spiraled out of control. You know, like where all of a sudden Freddy was like a pop culture icon and we had to have a TV show. He had to be eating Cheerios or whatever, you know, like it it was terrible. Uh, We talked about this on one of our other shows, uh, movie franchises that could have just stayed at somewhere between one and three. And I, I... I wouldn't even give Nightmare on Elm Street three. They, they, we should have just been done after one Nightmare on Elm Street movie. That should have been the end of that whole thing. But it turned into a pop culture nightmare that will never, will never serve. You know, we'll never get get back from. Yeah. yeah. Now to ask you the question, because you brought it up earlier, you talked about the Coens. What do you think about Ethan Cohen tiring from filmmaking? Yeah, I thought that was kind of odd. And actually, Abby and I were talking about this the other day. Um, Since 
Joel and Ethan have always been uh, a team. I wonder if Joel will continue to write and direct yeah, films. Yeah, Joel's going and... to continue and write films. Right. I, Ethan, I, bet, I think, is uh, going to do plays. Yeah, right. Right. That, I guess, I don't understand this whole shift. Like, that's what Tarantino's talking about, too. He's saying that you know, he's going to do one more movie and he's got another book coming out after his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he's got another book and then he says he's going to do stage plays. And I mean, I guess that's that's fine. You know, it's your career. Do what you're going to do. But um, I don't know if the success of Hamilton portends the fact that every play is going to be a hit, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't Especially know. in the post-COVID I, era. Yeah, right, exactly. Like I told you, uh, you know, Abby and I went to the movies last weekend, and there were only two other people in the theater, and one yeah. of them was wearing a mask, you know. But like, it is going to be still... so weird not seeing the title card Directed by the Coens. Yeah, right. Remember, yeah. the Coens were the ones that got that rule broke. Right, yeah. Yeah, before yep. that, the Oscars had a rule. Only one person can be not director of a yeah. movie. Right, yeah. And they were like, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So the only, um, the only. Oh, you got? Did you have something else? No. Okay. The only other uh, thing I wanted to mention, uh, as far as our anthology uh, is concerned, uh, the Black Mirror episode nosedive. Uh, which was written, which was written and directed by the creators of Parks and Rec. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but if anyone hasn't no. seen it, uh, it, it's one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror. Um, it's it's a very dark comedy. It takes place in a not too distant future where every interaction that you have with another human is uh, is able to be rated on your cell phone. So whether it's uh, you're buying a coffee or whether it's just that you're interacting with someone on the street. Uh, so, it's like that can... bad, so it's like a 30-minute version of that bad skip from Amazon Women on the Moon. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really it, it's it's a really it's really good though. Uh, yeah, and like I said, it it it, it it's dark, but it's funny because uh, like I said, the the the, the writer and the director uh, worked on uh, Parks and Rec. So if you're a fan of Parks and Rec and you're a fan of Black Mirror, this is a good uh, good marriage for you. And I'm a fan of both, so it worked well for me. But Mm. Yeah, uh it, it it yeah, it's a really funny episode and uh 
And, 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 you know, that's what we were talking about before. We started the show off this way, and we might as well end it the same way. Um, yeah, I, I understand that, you know, all of us have shorter and shorter attention spans. And as much as Stephen and I love watching movies, we understand that, uh, you know, a lot of times it's easier to just watch an episode of a show or watch a segment of an anthology Well, no, a good and, anthology you know. series in there. It's great because you get that spice. You get something different, you know. If it's done right, you yeah. get something different. Yeah, every every episode gives you gives you a different flavor. You're right. Yeah, and that and that's what I love about it, you know. And like I said, I've always had a short attention span. I fell in love with movies when I was in my teens, but now that I'm in my fifties, yeah, yeah, anthologies work better for me. I, <laughs> uh, plus, uh, you know, I'm on medication for my uh, depression and anxiety, and I'm on medical marijuana for my nerve damage. So, yeah, I, I doze off quite frequently, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's e- it's easier to just watch a 20 minute half hour show. You know. <laughs> so our picks for the best series would be uh, one uh, one that you need to see. Or at least to dive into is uh, well the Twilight Zone remake. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Twilight Masters Zone remake. Masters of Horror, at least the first season, because for some reason the second season is too filled with don't give a fuck. Yeah, good directors, but just bad episodes. Yeah. Uh, what's some other ones that you would recommend is if someone hasn't seen, they should just dive into the. Well, of course, the tales, two tales from the crypt movies, and the first three seasons of the HBO series before they moved it to Britain. Those two seasons. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Watch the first few seasons of Tales from the Crypt for sure. Uh, but yeah, I I agree with your uh, I agree with your other uh, choices. Um, I and I would say if if we're are we at five? Is this number five? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's a it's a toss up for me because, like I said, I really liked the '80s Twilight Zone and I really well, like Black Mirror. Yeah, that's what we put as number one of people that need to see is that's under is the '80s Twilight Zone. Right. The '80s yeah. Twilight and, Zone is so good. That's the reason why we have. That's why. Uh, the remake and the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone really just don't work. I would also note, uh, as also Rand's, uh, Inside Number 9 and Dimension 404. Those are some great anthology shows as well. So check them out, folks. And in October, well, there's, of course, the big two for me. The big one for most people is Sugar Treat, but... I would recommend one movie above that, and that would be Tales of Halloween. Yeah. Yep. 
I, trick I or would treat go is for that good, as well. But are you going to see Jason versus a little alien? Alien? No. In trick or treat? No. no. Are you going to see the devil no. in a low rider driving down the street while eating fried uh, chicken while this little boy is randomly shooting people outside of the car? No. Are we going to? Are you going to see Joe Dante make demon pumpkins? No. Uh, you know the well, other day, Sean James. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna. No. I was just gonna say real quick. Uh, Sean Tims and I have been working on a new album, uh, and you know, obviously, Sean. We talked about him earlier for the listeners. Uh, he's the one who runs the website that uh, that Stephen and I write for. Uh, the other day, he and I were working on some music, and we were just coming up with some silly new songs. And uh, he just looked at me and was like what are we doing with our lives? And I was like, I don't know. Ask Steven. We're just as ridiculous together as you and I are together. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. All right, brother. But yeah, so, we're just spreading the love. Coming episodes yeah. is closer to the event. We're going to have the guys from uh, the drive-in Monsterama here as usual. This will be your first show with them. Yep. Yaleo Palooza this year. And, of course, closer to the Knoxville Horror Fest event, we're going to have, of course, William on the show because I always pimp the hell out of that. Yeah, right. And he... Are, well, we got to do this in October because I checked it came out in October. In October, we're going to celebrate the anniversary of Pulp Fiction by doing a watch of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I don't really care for that film. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those All films right. I don't know if I can watch nowadays because I watched it so damn much during the 90s. I think I watched it like six times in the theaters and about 12 times yeah, me, on VHS. Yeah, me too. You, I mean, obviously, like I said, always, uh, you know, contractually obligated to mention that Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director and Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite films. But even nowadays, sometimes when I start watching it, I doze off, you know, before we even get to the gold watch story because I've just seen it so many times. Oh God, I uh, forgot. This is last one I forgot when it comes to anthologies. And it's my favorite movie anthology from the 90s and that would be Tales from the Hood. Oh, no. 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 You don't like that I one? I do not like... I do not like Tales from the Hood at all. Never Why liked not? it. Didn't... I don't know. It just doesn't. It. I, I just can't get into it. I've never liked it. There's. There's you nothing mean, about it tell that me I like. You didn't. You didn't love Clarence Williams the third as the devil. He's. He's yeah, the he's shit the only, in that movie. Yeah. He's. He's the only thing I liked about that movie. 
Yeah. yeah. He's the only thing I liked about that movie. He's the shit but... in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, I think we I well, think that, we did our uh, Yeah, we did that. I think we And think... we'll be back yeah. uh next week. And this was a good idea, Nate. Yeah, well, thanks, you know, uh, just because I'm a drunk stoner who's tripping his ass off on mushrooms right now doesn't mean that I can't come up with a good idea every once in a while. <laughs> well, usually when you're we're drunk, tripped, or stoned, or out, or just bored out of our minds, usually when we come up for our best ideas. Exactly. Yeah, I told you my friend uh, Josh yesterday when I played him some of the music from my new album he said oh this sounds pretty good how'd you come up with it and i said i ate a bunch of mushrooms and he was like good good process that that worked yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we, all right good night everybody thanks Watch for more listening. anthology films soon, and Steven. tv damn it <laughs> good night Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, good night, sweetheart, good night.